This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I can't believe we are at the end of the year and the end of the decade. And you guys, this might be the very last off the menu ever, ever, ever. Or it might not be. You just never know in this crazy world of ours. You're going to have to come back next week because it might be a beer show by the time the new year blows in. Or maybe not. Uh, life is full of surprises. That is what I have found. So the, if this is the very last show, it seems very fitting that I've got an old friend and a new chapter happening at the exact same time. Uh, Pilar, Pilar Gerasimo is one of my oldest friends and is one of our most repeated guests here on Off the Menu over our seven years. I think she's been here maybe half a dozen times. And Pilar is starting a new chapter in her life because you guys, the book that we have been waiting for all low these many years, it is going to be out on shelves in our hot little hands next week. If you want to know why Dan Butner called her the most enlightened health expert in America, you're going to have to get the book. Um, if you want to know why I call her whenever anything is going wrong in my life. <laughs> you should get this book. It is called The Healthy Deviant, A Rule Breaker's Guide to Being Healthy in an Unhealthy World. Um, we are doing an event together. We're going to be at the Lynn Hall on January 9th to promote it. We are going to talk all about healthy deviants. Pilar, welcome. Oh, Dara, thank you so much for having me. And what an honor to be here with you at the end of the year, end of the decade. I don't know, the end of whatever version of this show it is, maybe, possibly. Yeah. But I'm tuning in for whatever you do next because I just love being with you oh. on the air and off. Oh, God bless. We've been friends for so long, my real friend. But uh, other people may not know you, which is their their big tragedy. But um, <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about, you know, you didn't just a lot of people, I guess, in town probably know you because you're the founder of Experience Life magazine from Lifetime Fitness. You kind of really help them understand their brand, hone their brand, dominate the nation. Um, but you did not pop from the head of Zeus fully formed, full of wellness. So let's tell the people, who who are you? I know this, but I didn't even, there are some details in the book I didn't know. Mm. I will start you off. You are a lady from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's funny. A lot of people don't know that much about my personal story because I don't talk that much about my personal story. Journalists, you know, you're really not supposed to be part of the story as much. Um, but yeah, you know, I was raised on this farm in Wisconsin. My mom um, and my dad both wanted to raise kids in a kind of free counterculture environment. And um, my dad was a sociologist. My mom was this back-to-the-land kind of hippie commune earth mother. And what I grew up understanding from what my parents taught me was that I could be anything I wanted to be, show up however I wanted to show up, experiment, try things. I didn't have to follow too many rules. 
But what happened to me, I think, is what happens to a lot of people. When I got to school age and I started going to the local three-room grade school, I started understanding that the way that I had been raised was making me appear weird to other people. And I got a lot of social judgment and messages that I needed to conform and act like all the other kids. The sad part of this was that I was raised as a really healthy kid. And I spent the better part of my early childhood playing outside, eating homegrown food. You know, we didn't have a television. I I grew up in about the healthiest environment you could. And still, What I discovered was that in order to be normal, to fit in with the other kids at my school, that meant eating processed foods, Twinkies and hot dogs and Oscar Mayer treats of various kinds. And people pointed at my homemade sandwiches and made fun of them. They pointed at my homemade clothes and made fun of them. It sounds a little bit like a Dolly Parton story, but at some point you realize that if you don't fit in, you're going to have to pay a very heavy price. And I think what I discovered was that the more normal I got, the less healthy and happy I got. And I ended up as a young adult really having to fight my way back to health and happiness. Let me me pause you there. So you kind of had this idyllic farm childhood. And for a lot of people that are listening here in Twin cities. This was, you know, the the noble hippie tradition of Western Wisconsin, right? That, yep. that kind of strip, the um, nominee to Viroqua land. And that's, um, I think that doesn't, like, maybe outside of this region, that's not known. But I mean, a couple things. One, most some of the most beautiful country on earth, the rolling green hills of western Wisconsin, the trout streams, the just, I mean, just a, a beautiful place. But then your parents had split up and you came to Minneapolis, which I love very much. But it was uh, that was the place where you were like, oh, Wonder Bread. That's what <laughs> that's what the cool kids live with. Right. Even earlier. I mean, really, I was in third grade when I started attending this local school and even out in the country. You know, stores were selling processed food for the first time in my lifetime. Many families were eating more things from boxes and microwave ovens and freezers than they were from their farms. You know, we were growing a lot of the food that was served in the United States and dairy and beef and grains. Um, But, you know, vegetables were few and far between. And at that point, people were just buying stuff from the market. And I think because that time in history, this is the 70s, you know, women were working and they were busy and they didn't have time to home cook meals anymore. Um, kids were latchkey kids, even out there. You know, more people were getting divorced and kids were starting to kind of have to figure it out for themselves. So I just came into, by the time I came to Minneapolis, that was certainly true. And then with my parents split, I was living with a single dad and a dad who didn't really know much about raising kids. And his answer was pretty much lean cuisine dinners and Tatina's pizzas. And, um, you know, he wanted us to be healthy. He didn't feed us a ton of just total junk, junk. But it really doesn't take a lot of meals per week, substituting frozen, packaged, boxed, bag stuff for homegrown real food before your body starts to notice the difference. And I was going into puberty anyway. I was like 12, 13 years old. So I was naturally putting on weight and, you know, my body was changing. And I judged that as wrong. So the minute I started worrying about my weight, then I started dieting. Then I started trying to lose weight and manage my weight through exercise and diet. And that was really the beginning of a terrible downward spiral that took me the rest of my 20s to sort of 
carve out, a, I guess, to carve a path through. I wasn't, I would say it wasn't until I was in my early 30s and starting the magazine that I feel like I figured out what actually would work for me. But I don't think it should have to take us 10 or 20 years to sort through all of that. That's the function of the society we're living in now. Well, that's, uh, and so this story is in your new book, Healthy Deviant. And then I think that's when I came into the picture because when I met you, I thought, oh, this woman is incredibly wise. Um, and <laughs> I just glommed onto you. I was like, I got to get this wisdom. Um, <laughs> I thought you were the wise one. I was following you. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people do get stuck there for their whole entire lives. You know, I, I've, I have, unfortunately, I feel like I've known some women in my day who did nothing their whole life, not did nothing, that's kind of cruel, but a little bit did nothing but battle five pounds, you know, yes. just uh, just spent, you know, their 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s. Like it was just an eternal quest for to get that five pounds off. And it's, you know, it just feels, it feels sad. It's like, oh, you had a lot. Like there was a lot to give and to experience besides, you know, this, this, uh, you know, just wrestling in the corner with this five pounds or this 10 pounds. And it's men too. You know, this is the interesting thing. I, you know, in the book, I talk about what I call the healthy deviant hero's journey. Everyone takes the same path down, not just women, but men and not just young people, older people too. But you're right. That, so we start out as basically healthy children, most of us, if we're blessed with good health from birth. And then when we begin to try to comply with the culture, to fit in, to measure up, to you know keep up with the Joneses, um, or to keep our bodies looking the certain way that we see the pictures look, it takes us down to this phase I call darkness. And from there, you know, we end up in this kind of dark night of the soul or hitting bottom. And in that place, people often feel so stuck. They don't know how to get out of it. Their energy is low. Their vitality is low. Their mood is depressed. They start taking more and more prescription drugs and becoming more dependent on medical solutions and devices and surgeries eventually. They are diagnosed with chronic illnesses. And at that point, you know, I basically say you either bounce and come back up or you die. And it's up to every one of us to decide when it's gotten bad enough that we've hit, in our own, I've hit our own rock bottom. And there is a path out of it, but it requires divergence from the social norms. And this is what I call healthy deviance. It takes a while to figure it out. Why does the, you, know, you start to experiment because nothing else you've tried has worked. When you start to experiment, you find some things that, ha that do work for you, but they're typically not the conventional things that people have told you to do, like counting calories. Really rarely works in the long haul for almost for, for it doesn't work very well for anyone. I'll say, um, reducing your fat intake to the point that you're eating a fat-free diet that doesn't work long term for very much of anybody. Um, but it takes experimentation to figure out what will work for you. And if the society doesn't support you in trying those different things, you will feel like you're losing even when you're getting better because other people get upset that you're, you know, when I went on a gluten-free thing, people thought I was crazy, you know, in the in late 90s, no one was doing that. It took me really trusting my body and figuring out I felt a lot better when I wasn't eating it. It's not a fad, but our society likes to make it sound like a fad. And so it's just very intimidating to try to find your way. Ultimately, the path so the, that takes this, people out, though, is it, it's I want to say there is hope. OK, there is definitely there is always hope. Um, and so when I met you it was a while ago, and this is kind of where the book starts in a lot of ways, sort of the intellectual foundation of the book is that you had sort of pinpointed there is a, a basic unhealthiness in American culture. And so that's that's what the the book is largely about. Healthy Deviant uh, is a, a rule breaker's guide to being he healthy in an unhealthy world. And so identifying that it was an unhealthy world, 
that was that was kind of your eureka moment. And it takes a lot of people, like a lot of people are initially resistant to that because everybody I think thinks like, oh no, I'm unhealthy, but on Baywatch, everybody looks awesome. They are healthy, <laughs> you know, or on the cover of Shape magazine mm-hmm. on, you know, that everybody is healthy except me. I'm the, I'm something flawed and I should be in shame. Like you, you, that was your big realization is that, that a lot of people, if not most of the people, if not almost everyone, unhealthy. Yeah. So let me let me just ask you, the, your book sort of starts off with this. And let me try to get you to, to do this in radio, the not visual medium, because you have these arresting little charts that kind of go one by one. But the, the points, you know, can you kind of let people know, like, how you see American society today in the unhealthy? Yeah. Thing? Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned these illustrations in the book, which I had not even planned to include until I started writing it and realizing I needed pictures to help to tell them. But what I have people picture in their mind is that right now, like 97.3% of U.S. adults are not practicing even four basic healthy habits. So that 97.3, it's kind of staggering. That's a shocker, right? Well, here's the crazy part. So these are statistics that came out of the Mayo Clinic Proceedings, which is a peer-reviewed journal. Um, And they looked at four habits, eating a reasonably healthy diet, getting a moderate amount of exercise, uh, not smoking, and maintaining a healthy body composition, which you can argue isn't really a habit. But 97.3% of U.S. adults are not doing those four things. They didn't count getting enough sleep. They didn't count social connection. And they didn't count um, stress management. And it turns out that all those three things together are more important than the four things that they did count. So I often say, you know, how many people are doing, if if 97.3% are doing the basic things, how many are doing those other things? No one, almost no one. And so I know personally, like three people that are doing it all sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like some of them are babies. (laughs) They're definitely not moms. So, you know, when I think about the picture, in addition to that kind of graphic of imagine virtually everyone is either sick or in danger of getting sick. And like, you know, more than 50 percent of adults are chronically ill. Eighty percent are not doing that well emotionally and mentally. I, I look at why is it that it's the way that it is right now. And and realizing that I was not alone was the beginning of me asking this question, why is it that that's the case that almost everyone I know is struggling with a disease and taking these prescription drugs and just not feeling very well? And I started to understand that we're encouraged to focus on our personal health problems. Everything in advertising, everything in our culture tells us to look at our weight problem the rash on our face, the migraine we're suffering from. And we ask, what's wrong with me? Meanwhile, 97.5% or so of other adults are suffering from a lot of the same stuff. What you don't tend to get encouraged to look at is the bigger picture of the mismatch between how we as a species came to live and how we live today. Okay. Um, Let's take a little break here and pay some bills on Off the Menu. We're going to come back with Pilar Gerasimo and her book, The Healthy Deviant, with me, Dara Mosquez-Grumdahl, on Off the Menu. Dara here, talking to Pilar Gerasimo, one of my absolute favorite people on this uh, blue globe of ours. She has her first book. I have been waiting for this book. I am delighted. It is so good, you guys. It is like her war and peace. A lot of people know Pilar because she's the brain trust behind Lifetime Fitness. She started the magazine Experience Life. 
She is just well known by everybody. Uh, I think the Dan Buettner quote kind of sums it up. The most enlightened health expert in America is really true. Um, and this book is just exactly what we need. All right. So last segment, we were talking about the general crisis of health in this country and about how everybody thinks that they are the only person who doesn't look and feel the way Pam Anderson looks on Baywatch, <laughs> and, um, you know, and then, but you, you know, so you started really drilling down. I mean, for a decade, you were look at a little topic, look at a single ingredient, look at this habit, look at this thing. And, and the book is basically your idea of um, how to get out of this mess. Yes. We have to get out of it. And if we keep doing the thing we're doing, we're just going to keep spiraling downward. That's clear. So I'm proposing a fairly radical reframing of the problem. And it really does begin by understanding it's not you. It's the culture that you're living in. Everything in our culture is designed to make unhealthy choices faster, easier, more convenient, cheaper, more accessible, more appealing than healthy ones. And to change your relationship with a culture that is, it's often feels like it is reaching out and grabbing you and pulling you back down. Every time you start to get healthy, the temptations, the incentives are all going the wrong direction. It really takes managing and regulating your attention and your energy in a way that our culture does not teach you to do. So we train people to do these interventions. To do, follow the diet, go in this exercise routine. But what happens when people try to do that is they wear right through their available what we call willpower, and they become depleted and exhausted. And eventually, you just cave in. No matter how strong you try to be, you get too hungry, you get too crabby, you get too exhausted. So what I propose that people do is just for the period of time, I argue that you're reading the book, which might take up people a couple of days, for the period that you're doing this, just don't be on a diet. Don't be forcing yourself to do anything that's really difficult for you because the cost of doing those things will deplete your attention and energy so much that you're not going to be able to take in even new information. The second thing I really suggest to people is to... I call it preemptive repair. By this, I mean just living in the society that we're living in damages us. It basically inflames us and exhausts us and makes us reactive. You need to rest before you get tired, eat before you get really hungry, sleep before you are like, you know, falling with your face on the plane, on the desk like Ariana Huffington did, or before you break your foot like I did, stomping in frustration. When I literally broke my body, that was the moment that I woke up. So I asked people to consider this yeah, question. I think that, um, that, that eat before you get hungry is like the, or before you're starving. Starving, yeah. You know, that is something that you taught me. It is in your book. And my friend, I am a grown-up woman in charge of small children, and I have a professional job, and I'm very important, and it <laughs> is so hard Tough. to just do that one thing. The number of times that I put someone else's priority, someone else's priority, someone else's priority, and then lo and behold – I haven't eaten anything for nine hours, and I'm going to kill a guy yep. to eat a pizza. Like I, And I make terrible choices, and I know better. Yes. And it's like, it's so hard. It is so mm -hmm. hard. And it is particularly hard because when I do things like that, I think, I'm a failure. Yeah. I should know better. Like, everybody else is not a failure, and I am a failure. But then when I read your book, I think, oh, no, this is... 
you know, I live in a world where everything is a priority and I am not my own priority, which is messed up. And that's why I kill a guy to eat a whole pizza. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing is that it's built into our very cellular structure, our DNA. I have an illustration in the book called The Ape in the Arcade where I basically make the point that we are – Effectively, if you took an ape and stuck him in the middle of a video arcade, how long would that natural creature who's used to being in the forest do? How well would he or she do eating popcorn and basically give him an ATM card and try to get him to survive? We are never, we've never been prepared to live the way that we're living today with all of the beeps and the blingers and the demands and the priorities. This is an experiment that we are living as a culture, as a, as a species, humans. So beating up on yourself and feeling like you're the only one who's not doing well, it's a lie that we tell ourselves to our detriment. It's really important to look around and realize that if you're going to beat the odds, you have to start breaking the rules and really reversing the priority from looking like Pam Anderson on Baywatch and being on the perfect diet and managing every little calorie. I make the case that you just need to stop playing the game that's really rigged to get you to lose. Yeah, and that's what I like about your book so much is that it it just kind of, you know, it's it's like that Matrix thing where it's like, oh, I didn't see reality. And all of a sudden I see reality. Uh, and, yes. And your book kind of lets me see reality. Well, I got the preview because I know you. But, you know, it lets you see reality for the first time um, and just be like, oh, yeah, everybody is doing this. Everybody yes. is skipping lunch and not sleeping and, you know, taking – you know, eating weird chemicals in our food that we don't know anything about <laughs> yes. and, you know, t- taking prescriptions that we don't have any long term, um, you know, data about what they do over 40 years to people's brains and uh, and and healthy deviant. Like the thing is, I know you got so much pushback from people who are like, oh, nobody wants to be a deviant. Everybody wants to be normal. Oh, it's yeah. like, you know, you have to and you really were committed to holding that title and being like, no, we I don't you know, what's normal is not good right now. This book almost didn't get published for that reason. And I will say, by the way, if people are crazy about diets and exercise routines, it's in part because it's very difficult to get a book published in the health category without a diet or an exercise routine. That was the most common question I got. Is there a healthy deviant diet? Is there a healthy deviant workout? And when I'd say no, publishers would run the other way, not just because of the title, but because I was refusing to comply with the conventions of this category. And I could not in good conscience write another diet book or another workout book because I've read thousands, maybe tens of thousands of them, and none None of them helped me really change my life. I don't understand just personally how this, you know, continues. You're in the checkout line. You see the magazine and it says, you know, five weeks to a bikini body. And it's like how – what is the the level of naivete or is yeah. there just like a new sucker or like how is it that that – that still sells magazines. And this is the season for it. This is the new year, new you season. A thousand times you're going to see that headline. A thousand times you're going to see the way you can lose five pounds by the middle of January, you know. And it is. It's part of the crazy making culture we live in. Um, All right. And so you have figured out a way to bust us out of this. Uh, You're doing doing the good work. All right. So um, you have... Uh, speaking of these, you have something that people that can do, though, because like, you have this whole developed website. It's Um I will tweet out to that. We are doing an event on the 9th at the Lynn Hall. If you want to come see Pilar and me in in 
person on Lindale Avenue in South Minneapolis, a lovely place. We're going to talk about the book. Do this all again because uh, I could just talk about this book for eternity because it's important. It's just just wildly important um, because uh, – we have a messed up world and somebody's got to start calling it and you're the you're the one. All right. And so we're <laughs> going to do that on January 9th. But you have a thing if people want to kind of dip their toe in. right? Yeah, I'm doing a healthy deviant challenge. It's a free thing. I'm giving it to folks that are interested. I actually have a, a site just for the book that's healthydeviant.com. Oh, you are. I do. And there you can get a preview, a free preview of the introduction. Um, you can sign up for this five day challenge experience, which starts on the 30th December and takes you through the new year. So I'm going to drop some knowledge on people and help them shift their mindset so they don't have to be so vulnerable to this craziness of make yourself over in five days. This is really about how to rethink the challenge of becoming the healthy, happy person you want to be and and deciding to break some of the rules that you've been told you have to follow. So I'm going to guide people by hand, do Facebook video, um, live videos in the mornings and send out emails with stuff that folks can read and try on their own. And my goal is to let people get into the new year with more hope and more energy and more enthusiasm um, while they're respecting themselves more. Because I think that's part of what it takes is a sense of like agency, like I will do the thing I want to do. But you got to start from loving yourself and liking yourself a little more than you're encouraged to with the 870 moves for a hot upper body. Oh like that's that is literally an actual headline on a health and fitness magazine. So right now, I just encourage people to start seeing the craziness that's coming your way with the New Year media and stand back a step and then join me if you want to. And come to this event with Adara and me at the Lynn Hall. On, <laughs> that'll be fun on the 9th as well. Oh, so healthydeviant.com. I uh, I do. I just got a press release the other day. I was like, here, download this app and you can do 50 yoga moves in your airplane seat. <laughs> I just thought, you it's know, crazy. I, can't, I can't with this anymore. Like, it's just. Do you need 50? I, really? Well, I just, I don't even, I hope I don't get the chair next to you. That sounds like it would be disruptive. And it's like that thing where it's like, I, you don't need to maximize those moments you don't need to be losing weight on the airplane like it's it's a fake thing it's not going to happen you're you can't do anything with that time this is not uh you know probably the best thing you can do is like write down three things you're grateful for you can't use your airplane time to uh, change the world okay um and change your body and turn it to pam anderson like i'm so tired (laughs) of being sold this bill of goods all right pilar Congratulations on your book. I am Thank proud of you. you. Oh, I am so grateful. It's lovely to have this time with you. And you are a renegade and a healthy deviant in your own right. And I really appreciate the bravery of your journalism and your creative work. You're a gift to this Aww. community. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, now I'm going to cry. All right. We're going to take a little break here. I'm going to come back, have some recipes. You can find everything about Pilar at healthydeviant.com. And we're going to do ultra easy New Year's Eve apps when we come back. Happy New Year almost. Yeah. All right. Here's what I got. I put up five ultra easy New Year's Eve apps at WCCORadio.com. Are these going to be the last off the menu recipes? If so, they're good ones. All right. So because I think this is what you need to do. If you have friends coming over for New Year's Eve, that's fantastic. If you don't, you know, make some phone calls. Let's, uh, Let's get out there and get in touch with our friends and have some social connection because that is one healthy thing we could all have a little more of and see well i've got the recipes so here's what we have all right 
puff pastry cheese straws. This is one of my absolute all-time favorites. Get some good all-butter puff pastry, a couple handfuls of grated Parmesan and egg, and you are most of the way to a really good appetizer. Kids can make these. Any, like, competent 12-year-old, you know, slice the pastry, spin, spin, put it on a cookie tray. That's all. Herb roasted olives. That's another really good one. These are on all the fancy restaurant menus now. Taking some olives, put some herbs on them, put them in the oven with some olive oil. That's the whole thing. Very elite, but quite easy. You could put some lemon slices in there if you're feeling deluxe or some carrot slices, but very flexible recipe and a lot of bang for the buck. All right. Another good New Year's Eve app, smoked oyster spread. Yeah, I'm just really into this for some reason right now. Smoked oysters, cans of them. Those are a good thing to buy. Um, And they are tasty. And if you blend them up with cream cheese, you can serve them with a box of saltines, case of grain belt, sit on a bucket in a garage. That's called a good life. I like that very much. If you are fancy, you can fresh, you know, you can get some fresh oysters and then you can smoke them yourself in a small box or on the grill. But you could also just use the cans. All right. This is a all-time favorite of mine. How can you make 150 appetizers in an hour? This is what you do. You get a couple of pounds of apricots, bag of pistachios, couple containers of chev, and just start assembling. Take your apricot, put a little chev in the middle, put a pistachio on there. These are like delicious. They are really good. They go very well with champagne, chardonnay, all the fancy stuff. I love it. This is a good appetizer. Very easy. And the last one, the last of my New Year's Eve ideas for you, caviar pie. One of my mom's best friends brings this thing every Christmas, and I just have such a soft spot for it. So it's just like jars of of fish eggs, the cheap ones, not the fancy ones. You know, sour cream, a couple layers of things. Um, You can serve it with potato chips, and then you dip your chips into this fish egg and sour cream. Deluxe, lovely, wonderful thing. That's called living. I like that very, very much. These recipes are all at WCCORadio.com. Going to take a break here, come back, have a little Ask Me Anything, possibly the last segment ever of Off the Menu when we come back. Sarah Moskowitz Grumdahl here. All right. Is this our last Ask Me Anything of the Off the Menu era? The reason I keep saying I don't know is because I, I really don't know. Everybody's on vacation. I think we're starting a beer show. Maybe we'd get another couple bonus food shows out of it. I'm going to miss you guys. You're the best. All right. So here are the questions. Um, picking champagne for New Year's Eve with some budget options. What are What's the best way to do this? Well, here's what I like to do. I like to start off the night with one good bottle. So I like to get something French because I'm very fancy, perhaps a good grower champagne. What does that mean? It's like from a farm. Just like we have farms in America, they have farms in France and the farms in France grow grapes. And you can get um, just a good farmer, like not a fancy label, good farmer made champagne. Here in town, you can get it at someplace like Surdix or someplace like uh, Henry and Son. Uh, South Lindale. You can just ask them, say, I want the grower champagne. What is a grower? It's a guy that grows or a lady that grows the champagne. Grower champagne will run you about 45 bucks. Or 
Get Good American Champagne. There's a producer in California I like very much called Schramsberg. Um, champagne is kind of a tricky, tricky beast. You got to learn how to do it and then uh, just got to keep making it perfect forever. It's very difficult. Uh, so I don't, you know, I find that most of the the places that sort of have a tag along sparkling don't do a very good job, even when they're well reserved, well reviewed. I don't think they're good. So Schramsberg is one of my favorites, and I do I do like uh, the American Chandon. That is good too. Um, and so th- those will run you twenty bucks or so, twenty five. And then you started off with some good stuff, and then Spanish Cava. For my money, Spain Spain makes great dry white wines. Um, the cava has more character. It's more reliable than Prosecco. A lot of people are drinking Prosecco. The price has gone up. Quality has gone down, just like you do. Um, so those are my things. Spanish cava. A popular bottle is like, you know, you've seen that black bottle, Cordon Wee. That stuff is not bad. As far as cheap, cheap bubbly go, that is, I think, the best of the cheap bubblies. There's another one in town called Cristalino. You'll see that around. That's cheap. That's good. So start off with something good. Then move to Spain. That's my that's my good New Year's Eve advice. All right, I got a question. Where will I be? How can you find me? Aw, very sweet. All right, you can always find me at Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, MSPMag.com. You can find me on the Twitter bot. I am at Dear Dara. You can subscribe to the magazine. You can see the fancy pictures, get all the writing. Um, that is a very nice thing to do. And possibly next week we'll be right here doing a beer show. Um, so, you know, yeah, uh, I'm sad about it too, but you know, you have to live with change. I am really glad to, for all my time at WCCO, I have learned so much about voice and community. Um, I have learned just so many skills and I've connected with so many people, so many of you. Um, and so I, I just really grateful to the station for all of the stuff that we have done and, uh, you know, continue to do all the things. So we go into the unknown, which honestly, we do every hour. It doesn't feel like it, but that is what we are actually doing. We don't know what's going to happen at the end of this hour. Um, and so I will be here. I'll be around and I will be thinking of you and happy about all this. All right. So until we meet again. This off-the-menu journey has been very much fun, and I feel very lucky and very touched to have gotten to spend all this time with you. And I wish all of you the happiest possible New Year's and happy and fulfilling adventures from here on out, whether you are sticking with your regular menu in life or going right off. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.